0: Let's pray. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. With Fourth of July this week, many of us have liberty, freedom on our minds. And uh, as I suggested, coincidentally, freedom is a major theme of our Bible passages today. Indeed, Christ has made us free. This freedom is not a political freedom, per se. Uh, it's not about guaranteeing individual rights or encouraging you to do what you want to do, go where you want to go, be who you want to be, as fine as those things might be. The first verse in Galatians for today gets at the unique nature of this particular freedom. I quote, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit to the yoke of slavery. And this uh, intentionally invokes kind of a military metaphor. Don't let hostile forces take up operations in your freedom and enslave you. Now, when people think of being set free to live in freedom, they think of running in the open air with no constraints, no boundaries. You know, I do anyway. Kind of like uh, Maria in The Sound of Music. You know, the scene at the beginning of the movie? You, we've all seen it, right? Where she's, she's singing on, on, on this mountain meadow and, and kind of twirling freely as she sings and spinning uh, every which direction. You have a sense that uh, she could go any direction that she wants and there are no boundaries image of freedom. But Paul urges us through Galatians, reminds us in our freedom to stand firm. No singing, twirling, or dancing here. Stand firm sounds a little bit like digging your heels deeper into terra firma, and getting ready for a battle. Oh, well, what's, what's that all about? We forget, of course, to invoke the sound of music again, that for all of the marvelous freedom and spontaneity that Maria von Trapp embodied in her spirit, in the movie and in life, it's what she did with her freedom that really counts, that distinguishes her. She stood for something, right? She became a mother to seven motherless children. Oh yeah, and she defied the Nazis. Throw that one in too. What do you do with your freedom? Are you an advocate for children, even ones you don't know? Do you defy political movements that diminish people? Do you love your neighbors? What do you do with your freedom? about that freedom? As Christians, we believe we've been set free or saved from certain things, right? So, quick review here. From what have we been set free? Anyone, you could call out, there's a bunch of stuff here. There's a bunch of good answers. What have we been set free from? Death, Death. yeah, the big D. Sin. Sin, yeah. Death, sin, what else? Guilt. Guilt. That is a good start. There's a few others we'll hit along the way. Like, for instance, the law. All important good stuff. But the things that we are saved and set free from are only half the truth. Not only have we been set free from certain things, we've also been set free for certain things. And that's what this lesson is about. And no, it does not include doing whatever you feel like doing. We've been saved by love for love. That's the simplest way to put it. That is what our freedom is for, love, to love. But love is not something we do on our own, is it? If you're reading this carefully, you understand that. Love is a fruit that is born of another power beyond us, the Spirit of God. Just like any apple tree by trying harder can't conjure an apple. It happens from the root system. It's a power that flows through it. It is the Spirit of God this fruit becomes embodied in us through faith. So in faith, we are freed for love and for participation in the Spirit that comes to us from beyond but courses through our veins, the Spirit from which love comes. And so Paul says, live by the Spirit. Spirit with a capital S. No, not your Spirit. The Spirit of God, the one that bears the fruits of the Spirit. And I'll review them once again. I know you've, you, you have them here now. You've memorized them after Karen went through them. Uh, love, joy, peace, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All these fruits, though, are just varieties or applications of the main fruit, which is love. This, then, is the freedom we have in Christ it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the Christ who bears fruit through me. So, so, our freedom is not an invitation to trust in human moral intuition or the spontaneity of the human spirit. Our trust is in the purposefulness and the power of God's Spirit at work among us. The freedom of our salvation is not a summons to trust in the law more, or our ability to obey it, but rather to trust in the Spirit, where love comes from. And the Spirit has an opposite, we learn in this text, which creates a battleground of sorts. According to this passage today, one of the things that we are set free from is living life according to the flesh. There's that word, flesh. This is the yoke of slavery that Paul refers to. So in your new freedom, don't go back to living according to the flesh. But what what does he mean by this? Uh, It's it's very misunderstood. Uh, Flesh here is not (laughs) primarily about sex, uh, by the way, or bodily passions. It's a much bigger idea. Flesh means human willfulness. When we live according to our own desires, whims, goals, and agendas... As opposed, as opposed to the leading of God's Spirit. So the flesh has a lot more to do with what we're, what we're, how we're steering the ship up here, or maybe right there. Living according to the flesh is slavery, Paul would say, because as human beings, we can't save ourselves, we can't make our lives meaningful, We can't even figure out how to all live together (laughs) when we live according to the flesh. As Paul puts it in rather vivid language, if, however, you bite and devour one another, (laughs) take care that you are not consumed by one another. So what you end up uh, with Paul's language here is sort of an an image uh, of the human race imploding or cannibalizing itself. Living according to the flesh results in what? People using, controlling, and abusing one another around us. All for their own purposes. And, and if this sounds too, you know, like too churchy or harsh, just look at the world around us. Oh my goodness. This is a slavery from which God seeks to free us. Having been freed to live according to the Spirit, we've also been freed from the law, God's law. For the law can do nothing for us other than accuse us. (laughs) It can't make us good, can't get us into heaven. It can only condemn us because try as we might, we'll never meet its obligations. So God, through Christ, has freed us from its demands. It is a gift of grace. It's free. And it makes us free. But many people, you know, right from the start, have misunderstood this free gift and taken it as a license to do whatever they want. There's the absolute freedom idea. But again, that's not why we've been set free, to do whatever we want. The person who can only think of freedom as a license to do anything will ask the question, maybe you've heard this before in conversations, well, if I don't have to love my neighbor, after all, I'm forgiven, right? Then why should I love my neighbor? To which the only response is, well, since you put it that way, no reason. In other words... If the only motivation one can think of to love your neighbor is to get credit with God, then the idea of love is completely lost on you. Right? You love your neighbor because your neighbor needs love. That's why you were created and redeemed for that purpose. One of the great Lutheran theologians of our time, Gerhard Ferdi, the late Gerhard Ferdi, once put the question this way. I just love this. Now that you don't have to do anything, what is it that you will do? (laughs) A great example of being freed from one thing and for another is found at Belmont Abbey College in North Carolina. Ran across this story, it's fascinating. When the monks were first building the abbey, they found a large granite stone that stood at the intersection of two roads. Uh, now, naturally curious about this unusual stone, they investigated it, and here's what they found. That just over a century ago, from their discovery, men, women, and children would stand on that stone and be sold into slavery. That's what people, that's what we do to each other. The monks took the stone... They hollowed out a bowl in the top. You see where this is headed? They brought it into the chapel, and they used it as their baptismal font. The engraving on it reads, Upon this rock, men and women were once sold into slavery. Now upon this rock, through the waters of baptism, men and women and children become free children of God. That's pretty good, isn't it? From one thing to another and for another. This is the pivot of salvation. From slavery into freedom as children of God. Our own lives, just like that stone, are living testaments or can be to having once been under the yoke of slavery but are now agents of grace and new life. So once again... What is it that you do with your freedom? Stand firm in your freedom. It's been given to you at a price. You've been freed for a purpose. In the great film Saving Private Ryan, Private Ryan is the subject of a rescue effort on the front lines of the European theater of World War II. The reason? All of his brothers have perished in the war, and the army has decided that no mother should have to bear losing all of her sons. So they decide to send a team of soldiers to search him out on the front lines and get him out. They do get him out, but in the process... One by one, the rescue team dies. The last one to die right before he dies says to Private Ryan, Deserve this. Deserve this. In other words, make your life count with this gift that has been given to you. A great price was being paid to bring you back stateside. In the scene I'd like to uh, close with here, we see Ryan right at the end of the film. His friend has just lost his life, and he ages to the present tense where he's visiting his friend's grave at Normandy, who gave his life for him. And he ponders whether he deserved to be spared. Have I lived a good life? He wonders. What did I do with my freedom? Closing thought, surely none of us deserve God laying down his life through Jesus for us. And yet, we are invited to live like we do, like we know which team we are now on. So stand firm. What does it mean that you live by the Spirit and not by the flesh? Amen.